Hey, good morning, Circle. Hope you guys are good. Before we get into the word, can I ask you a question? How's your head and your heart? I've got to admit, like yesterday, for us as a family, it was really frustrating. You know, it seems like we're taking at the moment two steps forward and then you get hit by a day like yesterday and it's three steps back. And, uh, you know, you, you sort of head, your head can go into a, a way of thinking and that affects your, your emotions and where your heart is and, and, uh, and all sorts of stuff like that. But, you know, I just have to go back to what Jesus said to his disciples. And, and in the moment when he was talking about what I'm about to say, he was actually preparing them for the fact that they were going to lose him, that he was going to go. That he, well, firstly, he was going to die and then he was going to leave them. And Jesus said, I, I tell you these things because in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And even in the middle of our circumstances, even in the middle of everything that's going on, and when it's one step forward and 16 steps back, we can still have peace. And, uh, and Jesus, you know, he says, my peace I give to you, peace that the world cannot give, and therefore the world cannot take it away. And so in this time, whether it's because of COVID or whether for some of you, it might be stuff that's completely unrelated to what's going on in the world around you. It might be your own personal circumstances that are affecting you. We can still have peace. Our head and our heart can be in a stable place because we're focused on Jesus. And, uh, you know, I, I want to ask you, what are you holding on to at this moment? What are the verses from the word of God that your head goes to to make sure that our, your thinking is directed, but also your heart is in a stable place as well? And grab a hold of those in these moments. But I just want to, I guess, take a, a moment before we pray and get into the word to uh, just remind you of a couple of things that are coming up. And at the end of this month, at the end of March, as I've, I've said a few times, we're going to receive an offering. We don't take an offering in this church. We receive what people bring to us. And, and that offering is, is not just to buy some equipment. That's, it's much bigger than that. We've got, we've got a couple of opportunities to really reach into our world and affect the people around us. And we're going to receive an offering to help us do that, to buy some camera equipment that are actually going to help us do our online, uh, online presence a lot better. And uh, I'm probably going to talk about that a bit more in a couple of weeks as well, just to give you some details of what, what's happening at the moment and how we can make that better. But, but also, let me remind you, it's Easter coming up. And, uh, you know, there's a couple of times during the, the year that surveys tell us that people's thoughts actually turn to religion and, and some people's thoughts even turn to Jesus because it's, it, it's Easter. We're reminded of his death and his, his resurrection and his sacrifice for us. And also Christmas, we're reminded of his coming to earth. But Easter's coming up and we're having a, a, a Good Friday service and we're also having our Easter Sunday service as well. And, uh, and both of those are great opportunities to invite people in to, yep, it's online and we're inviting people to look through the window into our community. But what a great opportunity when people's minds are already focused on the religious or the spiritual things of this world. And, uh, and so why don't you take opportunity? to invite people. At the end of every service now, we pray for people in our world, not just the general population, but the people who I know that I can say, hey, 
why don't you join us and, uh, and, and come to church together and be online. So if you're ready to come around the word of God, let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this, this church that we are part of. God, this church that you love so much more than we love, but God, we declare that we love your house. We love your local expression uh, of church as well, circle, and we thank you for that. God, I pray that our hearts will be open and uh, our minds will be ready to receive what you want to say to us today. I pray again for those people that may be watching that don't know you, uh, God, that in some way, that you will draw their attention, you will draw their hearts towards yourself. In the name of Jesus, amen. July 1995, there was a heat wave in Chicago and the, the temperatures went from about 100 to 120 degrees, depending on the time of day. And they'd never experienced anything like it in that time. And 739 people died during those uh, during those days of the heat wave of heat related causes. The problem was that the majority of those that died died and no one was checking up on them. No one knew who they were. And there were 68 of those 700 or so people that were so anonymous they had to actually bury them in a mass grave. My question when I read about this a while back was, where was community? Where was friendships? Why were 68 people not noticed completely? I mean, they were gone from this world and no one knew that they were gone. You know, so often we're told that we're individuals and, and we highlight and we raise up the individuals because of a seemingly individual effort that people make. Our heroes are those that, that, that overcome the odds and, and, and they, they, they soldier on and they get on with life and, and they deal with stuff. You know, we talk about the self-made millionaires. We, we, uh, we make a hero of the soldier that goes it alone and saves his friends. And our superheroes are so often the ones that work alone. Even in sports teams, we highlight the individual, don't we? The, one of the greatest players, football players that the world has known is, is, uh, is Messi. And, uh, but the reality is, you see, Messi is only as good as the 10 players around him. One of my favorite films. Uh, yep, it's a cartoon. It's a kid's film, but it's The Incredibles. And uh, Mr. Incredible, one of the lines that he says is, buddy, I work alone. You see, he'd become so used to being an individual. And that, that actually, when we see through the film, becomes part of the problem. And, uh, you know, when we think about that, when we think about being an, an individual, I, I, I love my family. But one of the things that I know is that I can't raise them alone. I take my role so seriously, but I also know, and it's not just my wife and I. We actually have a community of people. And hopefully when we get over there, I'm believing that, that we will have a new community of people that will help raise our children within a church community. You know, they, there are role models that we want our children to have that will help disciple them and help mold them and help teach them. That's what a community does. 
Now, I, rec I recognize that I'm, I'm talking to a very diverse group of people online and, and both in the Sunday moment and, and watching afterwards at times as well. You know, I'm talking to single people, to married, married with kids, married without kids. I'm talking to the divorced, the widowed. I'm talking to all ages. And uh, hopefully I'm talking to some of our youth as well. And, uh, you know, we want to be a church where we embrace you all and each of you can find your fit. Whatever stage of life you're in, whether you're you're coming through as a young person into the life of the church, coming out of kids church into youth and into the uh, the larger environment environment on a Sunday. Or maybe you've been around you've been around the block once or twice and uh, you're an older person with with a lot of wisdom in your life. We want you all to find your fit within our community. The problem is, is we're living in a time when, and I keep saying this, it's never been more diverse, but also never been more divided. We divided along the lines of gender, ethnicity, financial status and age. And, and we see around in the, in the media, both social media and the mainstream media, that, that it's almost like it feels like it's set up to, to further deepen the division that we have. And I think in many ways, we, the church, have bought in to that, that societal way of thinking. And I fully believe, and I know I talk to many other pastors, it's time to come back to biblical community. Stop for us all to stop taking on divisive thinking and actually be biblical in our thinking. And it's in this time of COVID, Many of us, more than ever, more than ever before, have realised we need to belong. Not to just my social uh, friendship group, but also to something bigger than myself. And not just to a church meeting, not just to attend a church meeting, but actually to a church community. And so we, the past few weeks, we've been looking at that theme of as one. And I want to continue maybe in a similar theme, uh, you know, as one was getting us facing in the right direction. But this series called Everyone is about mobilizing us, helping us find our fit alongside of other people within our community. And so we come together as one. But I fully believe that we can be valued. Each one of us can have value placed on us uh, within our community. We can all play our part. And that's really what our church community is about. In this series over this month, we're going to be looking at this one particularly is going to be about everyone finding their fit and belonging. Next week, we're going to be looking at everyone cares and then everyone contributes and then everyone is a soul winner. You belong here. We belong here. Let me read James 3, and this is a passage of scripture from the Message Bible that I read uh, a couple of weeks ago. But let me read it again. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle, reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day, cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honour. When you think about this, James, James was he was actually on the edge. He wasn't classed as one of the, the core disciples. He was Jesus's half brother. 
and uh, and and so for for many to in the Gospels, he's sort of on the edge watching from the outside. And then suddenly we see him become part of that community, that uh, early church community. And one of the key themes as we read through his book is how we live out our faith within community. And so he, he, he describes what he'd seen his brother Jesus hold so dear throughout his lifetime. He talks about the character of wisdom. The character of wisdom that he talks about is how does it look from the outside? What when people look at our community, when people look at circle, how does that wisdom within our community look? What will people see when they when they I guess they look not just look at us online, but see uh, and interact with other aspects of our community when they scratch behind the surface of our Sunday services? What will they see? I believe they will already see people getting along with each other. They will see people, uh, they, they'll know that we are Jesus's disciples by our love for one another. There should be a consistency about our relationships. It says not hot one day, cold the next. And then there's, a, there's an overflowing, a spilling out of mercy from within the life of our church. Here's another thing that I think we need to show within the life of our church. Colossians 3.13 tells us about forgiving one another, make, forgiving one another and making allowances for each other as well. Why, you ask? Because we mess up. Every single one of us messes up and we hurt each other. That's the problem. You know, we see that we see that on social media all the time. Someone saying the wrong thing, someone else taking offense and then someone biting back. And actually, within the life of our church, we have to be quick to overcome offense, quick to forgive. And the problem is, is that so many people, so many of us hold on to offense that it, it actually diminishes our capacity to be connected within a Christ like community. And there's nothing more poisonous to community and belonging than holding on to forgiveness and offence. Now, when I say that, that doesn't mean to say that we don't deal with the issues that cause unforgiveness or, or need us to forgive other people. And we, don't we, we do deal with what, what the offence is, but as the recipient of that, I actually need to learn to forgive and I need to learn to overcome offence. You know, one of the things that I've heard people say often is don't get offended. I don't know that we can do that. You see, what we can do is to get over offence, though, because when we hold on to when we hold on to unforgiveness and we hold on to offence, it causes bitterness. And that then causes division and the draining of love within the life of our community. And again, Jesus says, by our love for one another, shall all people, those that are outside, those that are outside looking in, will know that we are followers of Jesus, not by our correct theology, although I do believe that we need to get that right, but by our love for one another. And love involves forgiveness. Love involves getting over offence. Love involves dealing with those things in our own life. The Bible uses different pictures different analogies to uh, to show our interconnectedness with each other. And I want to talk about a couple of those. And one of the most vivid is that of the church community functioning as a body. 1 Corinthians 12. And this is quite a long passage of scripture, which I want to read now. 
1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The hand cannot, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one, parts, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, if you are the body, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Again, an, an incredible passage of scripture and so much within that for us to take in. But Jesus, Paul essentially is saying here, look at the body of a, as a picture of how we should be interconnected with each other, how we should function alongside of each other. Yes, there are, there are parts of the body that, that are more private and we actually give those special honour because of the, their private. There are parts that are seemingly unused or seemingly insignificant and we hold, we hold those in special honour. So one body, many parts. Each part looks different with different functions, but each part of the body holds equal value. There should be equal concern for each other. How often have we become so concerned about our own issues that we actually forget that we are connected, that there are other people's stories that we connect with that we should be listening to as well? I love this C.S. Lewis quote. It says, friendship is born at the moment when one person says to the other, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. You see, we can become preoccupied with someone else's fit and how that fit may be, be receiving more honour than we are at that moment, that, that we lose focus on the fact that we have our own place within the body. We have our own value within the body. Jesus has purposed each of us to be part of the whole. I talked about this a, a couple of weeks ago, and I want to just remind us of this about the body. An unhealthy body is dysfunctional. It's unable to work well together. You know, a functioning body, a functioning healthy body works together. There's interdependence of the body parts. Where there's independence, it's because the body is malfunctioning. 
cancer is division in our cells. Autoimmune diseases like lupus are healthy cells attacking one another. Tourette's syndrome, which is a, a disorder that's characterized by involuntary movements or shouting out, uh, that's the body working or body parts working independently of other parts. The body should work together under the instruction of its head, but too often we see the church with cancer, with lupus or Tourette's. And so a healthy community, a healthy body is built. It's built by lives right with God. And that's accomplished by accepting the very fact that Jesus finished the work on the cross. It was about his grace, what he did, not, not what we do. But then from that position of relationship, from that position of forgiveness, from that position of accepting his grace, his love into our lives, we outwork that salvation, that right relationship and acceptance by God. But it's not just about lives right with God. It's about lives right with each other. That word shalom that we so often think about as peace is actually it's about a functioning community. So peace within a community. And that doesn't just happen by doing a church service together. It happens by doing life together, by interacting, by processing the stuff of life, it, by, by talking with each other about the bad days and the good days, about working alongside of each other, treating each other with dignity and honour, placing value on each other and taking the focus off me. If we want people to belong, then we need to create space. Imagine we're in church on Sunday. You know, when we when we come back together and we're in our favorite seat, we like it because the, the sound is just right for us. We've been around a while and and this is my seat. Imagine that we are full on that Sunday. And we see a new family come in. We have a choice at that moment, don't we? We can we can be focused on ourselves and my my seat, my comfort, my place. Or we can think there's someone here that needs to belong potentially that they could fit in. And we stand up and we create space and we move and we say, hey, why don't you come and sit in my space? I'll find somewhere else. You see, that's placing value on people. Imagine how they felt. And I have been in this very position where people have walked through the church door and they've just had about the worst journey. And someone has stood up and welcomed them and, and, and helped them to their seat. And they've come back the second week just because of that. Because someone placed value on who they were and being in that place. We don't just get on with our routine. We get up and we make space for people. And it's amazing, although we want to say that we are followers of Jesus and we make, we, but we may sometimes, and it's so silly that we make our regular seats that untouchable thing. We almost make them our, our anchor point, that I have to be there and someone could change the seating around and we get so upset, so offended about that one little thing that really is insignificant. And if we think about it, we're actually, we can place value on other people by just creating space for them. And sometimes that can be a literal space. And so we place value on other people. We give them dignity. We place honor people. That honor is, is, is adding weight to people. You're helping them along and adding your weight to theirs. 
We say that church should be the best place to have your worst day and sometimes people just need that arm around them to carry them at times. Why? Because it's what Christ did. Jesus said that we do this for the least of these. We take our eyes off ourselves and we place it maybe on those that are having their worst day at times. You see, this is not just about me finding my fit within a community. This is about me also helping others find their fit within the community, creating space. Because I can guarantee people will go to where they're valued, not where they're tolerated. So God is building us into his community, into this community, a community that's healthy and robust. So we look like a body. But, but there's also this picture of a building that's used as well. Let me read Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the, to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what he is building. He's used, he's used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. See, I'm going to show you a picture in a second, and this is this is this is possibly where some of our, our thinking comes from. And we think a building is like this. This is a picture of a simple wall. And we we look at it and we think, well, yeah, that we know that as a building, but that's the problem. We are not like that. We're not bricks that are evenly shaped, you know, nicely uniform. Uh, and because that's not the real picture of what we look like. This. This next picture is much more what we look like. This is a, this is a, a, a stone house. I think it's even a temple. Uh, Tashrabat in uh, Kyrgyzstan. This was built by expert stone builders. See, the master builder takes all the uneven stones and he brings them together and he begins to build and he can look. He can look, and I did some research into this, he can look at what's in front of him, all the misshapen, all the uneven stones that are in front of him, and he can put them in and place them next to each other. So there's this strength of building that forms that you don't get with just nice, even, same size bricks. There's a strength that comes from the misshapenness. See, one of the problems is, is that occasionally the master builder has to knock the edges of some of the misshapen stones. He doesn't change them into something else. He just knocks some of our edges off to help us fit within that community. We're not nicely shaped bricks, but we are odd shaped stones that God is shaping into a community, into a house that's fit, not just for us, but for himself. And as we as we come together, it's often those that are least like us that God places next to us because they they fit within that whole that builds strength, that builds that builds solidity to our community. And our strength comes 
not from our even shapes, but from our connectedness to each other. Let me say this as well, sometimes or often it's our misshapenness, not our uniformity that helps us fit together. And it's what gives us strength. And I don't know what your story is. Hopefully soon we'll begin to unpack some of those with, as we sit down and have coffee and have lunch or dinner with, with some of you. And we'll hear some of your stories. One of the things that so often comes through is that people have been rejected and often in the world or the workplace or school or wherever because they felt that they are misshapen and you've been rejected because of your misshapenness. Let me tell you what the Bible says about that. 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God, and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Many of us have been rejected by those around, but been chosen by God. He's looking at your misshapenness and said, that, that person, that stone is exactly what I need to build strength into this wall, into this home. You are chosen, chosen to be connected to those around you. And so all of us, all of us who feel we're misshapen stones, let me say, welcome home. You belong here. Maybe at this moment in time, because you're just watching online or because of things that have happened to you and you, you're, you're entering circle and maybe like James, you're, you're on the edge but you still belong here. You can find your fit. You can become part of the community. Maybe you felt because of your life stage, too young, too old, that you have been misshapen and that you don't belong. That is wrong. You do belong. You belong here. We don't want people that just play their part. Come along, do a job, go home. We want to be built into community, not just me building myself into community, but me, us together, building each other into that community. And as a church, we, we build different environments, don't we? We create environments for the large, our Sunday services, the, the small, our, our circle groups, and also for the one as well. You know, as a church, we're at a stage where, where we won't know everyone, but I fully believe that everyone can be known. Everyone. Everyone finds their fit. Everyone can belong. Imagine a church where we, breathe, we actually bring the things that we think disqualify us and we lay them at the feet of the master builder who says that you, you are just the shape I've been looking for. A church where we haven't been brought in, we haven't bought into the prevailing thought of society about individualism, but actually realise we need each other. A church where we not only find our own fit, but we are committed to adding value and dignity to others and creating space so that they also can belong and find their fit. A church where I, may I say, that we would be missed if we are not there. A church where we're living right with God, but also living right in our connectedness with each other. A place where we are both chosen and accepted. Where Jesus himself is building us together 
into a house for himself that actually represents himself here on earth, that represents himself here in Saskatoon. Can I pray with you? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that each person that's watching online, that may be watching even later, God, I pray that, that whatever doubts, whatever thoughts have gone through their mind about not belonging, about not fitting, God, I pray that something that I've said here today, maybe even something of the words of the songs that we've been singing has caused them to feel chosen, to feel accepted, to place that, that value has been placed on them, that to help them know that they can find their fit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Can I take a few moments longer? And then we do this every single service. I want to set out a challenge, throw out a challenge to those of you that don't know Jesus. I guess I'm talking to two particular groups of people. Those that have, have never made a decision to follow Jesus, have never said, this Jesus that you're talking about, I want to know him. I want to follow him. I want to give my life to him. I want to experience his love, his grace, his forgiveness. Maybe the second group are those of you that have wandered away. You know, I, I experienced that myself. I grew up in a Christian home. That was my privilege. But I got to a stage where I walked away and the things of life, I allowed the things of life, some of the things of life to become my gods. And I walked away, but then I got to a stage where I realized I was so much better off back in the family. And I made that decision to come back to Jesus. So if you're in either of those two groups right now, I'd love to be able to pray with you. Say a little prayer together and then I'm going to tell you some next steps that we can do together as well. If you're, you're, if you're saying, yeah, that's me, that's I know I've never made that decision or I've made that decision before and I want to come home. I'd love for you, maybe if you're in the chat right now, just to... to Put, you know, hit the button, raise my hand, and hopefully you'll connect through to someone. That's what I want you to do, but I'll talk a bit more about that. But the first thing I want you to do is let me pray with you, if you will. And I'm going to say some words, I'm going to say a prayer, and maybe you uh, out loud or even in your, in your heart, you want to say these words. I'd love for you to say them along with me. Dear God, I come to you now and I give you my life. I thank you that I have this opportunity to give my life to you. I ask for forgiveness of my sin. I take hold of the life that you give me. I take hold of the hope for my future. And from this moment forward, I am now a follower of Christ and part of his community. Amen. Hey, we've just got a couple of steps that we, uh, or a few steps that I want to I guess give you an outline with you. First thing is go out and tell someone that you've done this. The first thing you can actually do is just press the raise my hand button, but go out and tell someone, maybe someone in your world, because it does something in you when you verbalize it, it establishes it in your heart and you never know what it will do in theirs as well. And then we'd love to connect with you. And so if you if you want to hit that raise my hand button or maybe even tell someone, give someone a call from the church and say, yeah, I made that decision. We want to put a New Testament in your hand to be able to do that. We obviously have to get some details from you just to be able to send that out to you because we want to get you reading the word of God. But the other thing I would say is keep coming back. Yes, we're online, but come back next Sunday. Get involved in a circle group if you want to as well. I'd encourage that, but come back. This is a community. It's not an event you've attended. It's a community that you're part of.
So I'm going to hand back to the team right now. It's been a privilege to speak to you. And uh, I think I think next week, uh, Paul and Jessica are going to be taking the next theme. And then after that, uh, my wife, Dee, is going to be preaching. And then it'll be me back at the end of the month. Hope you have a fantastic week, guys. Back to you in Saskatoon. And uh, we'll see you soon. Bye.